You know, we teach our kids about relationships early on, uh, how to relate to people. And sometimes we teach them about certain things early in life, and then as they progress, we want to tell them about other things, about maybe their friends. So here are some that maybe you've used. Here, here are some phrases that we might use. Don't talk to strangers. There's a Bernstein Bear book. I don't know if I knew I grew up with this. It was all about stranger danger. And so don't talk to strangers. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future, right? You become who you hang out with. And then one of the famous ones is bad company corrupts good character. Those are some like solid phrases, solid principles that you need to teach your kids as they grow up, and they will stay true. They've stayed true in generations past, and they'll stay true for generations to come. And one of the things that we see with the Apostle Paul is that he not only understands these principles, he takes these principles, and he also teaches them to these young Christians. And he's going to do that in this next section in the letter to the Philippians. He's going to have something to teach them about how they relate to people and how those people will influence their mind, how they will shape who they are. And it's going to have a lot to say about our life and who we hang out with and how we're shaped. So that's a journey we want to take in the next section of this letter to the Philippians. So we're going to pick up in Philippians chapter 3, we're going to pick up with the second half of verse 12. Here's what Paul says here in the next part. He says, I press on, I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining forward to what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And that's where we want to stop as we begin the journey uh, to the end of the chapter. Here Paul tells the Philippians that he's got one thing, just one goal, and that is to strain forward. There's a goal somewhere out there. There's something he's pressing towards. And I think that he sees an age to come. He sees something out there. His eyes are set to the horizon and he is straining for it. He calls it the prize for which Christ Jesus has taken hold of him. And it's this heavenward calling. It's a high calling. It's something which he's grabbing for. It's something right on the horizon. And here's how I'd summarize it. If we had to say what Paul's doing, he's straining for a new age. Now, it's not some non-physical heaven, but an age where life, not death, covers the world. And he yearns for it. He's grabbing for it. His central focus is to get there to the age to come. And he yearns for that world, a world where not just some disembodied, non-physical heaven out there, It's a new world. It's a world where life covers the world. It's where there are no more tears. There is no more disease. That's the world. It's a new age. And he yearns for it, and he yearns for it because of Jesus. Because the moment Jesus rose from the grave, a rumor started spreading that winter was ending and spring was coming. That death was working backwards. As as J.R.R. Tolkien puts it in the mouth of Samwise Ganji, that death would be untrue. Death would be untrue. A world where death is untrue. So because of Jesus, 
coming back from the dead, there's now, there's now a new infection in the world. It's an infection for life. Paul says that Jesus is the firstborn from the dead. And when the firstborn comes back, everyone else that's with him get to come with him. I want you to see how he says it in one of his letters. We'll go to Colossians 1. Here's how he says it in Colossians 1.18. Jesus, look at this, is the beginning. He's the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. When Jesus came back from the dead... It set in motion the promise, the guarantee that there's an age to come where death no longer exists. And there's this famous passage where Paul looks forward to it. 1 Corinthians 15, it's one of the most famous passages he wrote. 1 Corinthians 15, 54-57, Paul writes, When, not yet, but when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what He yearns for. He yearns for the day when death is swallowed up in victory. And He knows the day's come, and He yearns for the new age. Now, that age has not yet come. There's still disease and there's still death, but my, he yearns for it. Jesus, the firstborn, guaranteeing that that new age is coming. Now, he wants the Philippians to carry that same kind of thinking. He wants them to think on such things. He wants them to hold this promise in front of their eyes. He wants their mind focused on this. He wants their eyes set on the horizon looking for the day when death is working backwards across the world. That's what he wants them also to think and have that same hope. So we pick up. We'll go to the next section of the letter where we see where Paul goes from telling them about what he's yearning for to now telling them to yearn for the same thing. Philippians 3, we'll pick up verse 15 and go through 16. All of us then, that is a therefore because of what I just said, then you, all of us who are mature, should take such a view of, a view of things. And if, some, if on some point you think differently, well, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. When you get Jesus you get the promise of a world where death doesn't exist. When you connect with the Christ, the risen one, you then get all of the promises of the age to come. You get the promise of a world where death is swallowed up in victory, where the one who was the beginning and the firstborn from the dead is supreme. That's the promise you get. And then you live up to that. There's another place where Paul says that very directly to those early Christians, where he wants them to know who they are and then set their minds and hearts in the place that they have obtained. Check this out. Colossians 3, 1 through 3, he tells the Colossians this, very similar to what he's saying to the Philippians. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above. Not on earthly things, for you died 
And your life is now hidden with Christ in God. You see what he does there? He, he is telling them to get their heart and mind set to the age to come. And you begin living that way. If you are moving towards a world where there is love and grace and mercy, where no one lies anymore, there's no more deception, well then we must start living that way now because that's where you're going to live. So you start becoming the kind of person that you will be forever because that's who you are. Are You set your mind on things above. You set your heart on things above. You do not descend and think this is all there is. Because in this world we will trend to thinking this is all there is. And so Paul wants them to set their eyes on the horizon just like he has. Because that's who they are. Now, that all sounds really good. But he knows those, those basic principles of relationships. You see, it's really hard to be that kind of person if you're around really bad people. And it actually becomes easier to have that kind of mind if you're around people who think the same way. And so what Paul's going to do next is going to take that teaching about his own yearning, wanting it to be their yearning, and now say something about who they need to be hanging out with. Check it out. Verse 17. Here's what he says. Chapter 3, we move into verse 17. So he says this, Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. You see what he did there? He says, I yearn, I yearn for an age to come. I want to be part of a world where there's no more death. And I'm going to live like that's my new home one day. Now you too, you get that same mind. You think on such things and live up to what you have attained. Ah, but to do all of that, you better be hanging out with people that can be a good role model. Paul knows the positive side of the equation, that we become the people we become like who we hang out with. Paul understands that. So he wants them to hang out with the right people. The people that are more mature, you go get next to those people so that you can learn to be like them. It's why an apprentice connects themselves to a master craftsman, so they can learn to be like them. Now, the other part of the, the, the negative side of that is that bad company corrupts good character. You see, if you hang out with the wrong people, you're going to trend that way as well. And notice, Paul doesn't just give the positive, he now gives the negative, and he's going to warn them to stay away from the wrong kinds of people. And we're going to see that when we jump into verse 18, he doesn't just say it once, he's been saying this for a long time to these Philippian Christians. You just don't say that once to a kid, you say it their whole life, hoping that they'll get it. Check it out, verse 18, here's what Paul says. He goes on to write this, For I have often told you before, and now I'm telling you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross. Their destiny, their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is in their shame their mind is set on earthly things. 
You see the contrasts he pulls in this section. He, he, he lays out here. He says, do not hang out with these people. You do not hang out with enemies of the cross. The cross says, I am dead to the world. I live now for Christ. But there are those that say, I live for myself. And their destiny is destruction. Because if your life is consumed with yourself, when you are eating only your own resources, when all you have to enjoy is your own sensations and pleasures, eventually you will run out of your own resources. If you turn inward and begin eating yourself, eventually you will die. You do not have enough resources to live forever. You're not built for that in this world. You will need a new kind of life to enter to give you an eternal life. But there are many whose stomach is their God. Isn't that powerful? Do your appetites drive you? And in our world, we are constantly bombarded to entice the appetites. That's what marketing's all about. It's to create desires in you so that you'll give up money to go get them. You're just, it's, con, it's a constant flood of salesmanship to create desires so that you give up your life. And Paul says that will be destruction. And they are enemies of the cross because the cross teaches a very different way. So do not hang out with those people because bad company corrupts good character. That's what he says. So you see what he's done here. He's laid out the contrast. Now what he's going to do as any good teacher is he's going to go back now and remind them who they are and where they're going. Check it out. As he ends the section, verse 20 and 21, he says this, but our citizenship, but our, that's us, we, our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so they will be like his glorious body. That's their destiny. If they so choose, that's their destiny. They will get the same life Jesus has and become like him. That means one day this body that falls apart will be transformed in the kind, into the kind of body he has. And we get to become sons and daughters of God. Adopted into the family and now you get a body that will last forever because it's running on the resources of heaven, the eternal life. And you get to be part of a new creation with real bodies, a real earth. And I don't know what it's all going to look like. But I know it's going to be physical. And it's going to be running on the right kind of fuel. And it won't ever die. Now this isn't just Paul's idea. All the apostles had this vision. I want to give, it, give you the words of just one more apostle. 1 John, when John wrote one of his letters, 1 John 3, verses 2 and 3, he writes this, Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known, but we know. We know. You don't feel it. You don't guess at it. You know it. We know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is, and all who have this hope in him purify himself, themselves, just as he is pure. 
There is knowledge about your destiny. That's what Paul grabs for. That's what he yearns for. His eyes are set up on the horizon, seeing the new age. The sun is just breaking, and he's yearning, and his life is going to fit that sun breaking over the horizon. Let's summarize everything we've just done. Here it is. Let's just summarize it before we jump into application. So here's what he did in this section. He said, my hope is in Jesus and in the age to come. And then he tells them, I want you to have this same hope. And then he tells them, follow good role models. Stay away from bad role models. And then he summarizes all of that at the end by saying, remember who you are and remember your destiny. And it's in those last two where we find application for our lives. So that first one is this. Remember who you are. Remember who you are. If you have said yes to Jesus, that is, if you are a Christian, then you have said yes to the crucified Messiah, risen from the dead, and you've said no to the world. You've said, I will take up my cross so that I can gain a better life. That's what you're saying. Now, if I had to illustrate it, you know what I'd do? Well, I would go get a piece of wood with Play-Doh on it, and I would bring it to the front so that you never, ever forget this illustration. You see, this is who we are. That is, if you're a Christian, if you've said, I'm with that crucified one, you've said, I will say no to the world, and I will say yes to the world to come, and I will begin living that way now. So what you've done, if you've said yes to Jesus, you said, I'll take the cross, and I will press it into the center of my life, so that nothing else will mark me. My stomach will not be my God. I will not glory in shame. I will not have a destiny of destruction. I will take on the cross so that I may die to the world and the world may die to me and I may have new creation. That's who you are. And so really the question I I have been asking myself a lot is when people look at me, particularly in my home, I can show you anything I want. I can't do that. I'm not that good at home. They see me all the time. So really think about this when you're in secret. When your loved ones are the only ones around you. Think about that. What are they seeing? Do they see the cross stamped into your mind and heart? This is who we are. See, we carry this image with us. And you know, Paul, this was so deeply part of who Paul was that this just spills over in what he writes. Remember, last week we quoted this scripture. Let's do it one more time. Galatians, Galatians chapter 6, verse 14 and 15. We read 14 last week. We didn't read 15. Here it is. May I never boast, Paul says. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me. And I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is the new creation. What counts is that age to come where we will live forever and ever and ever. And you know what we take with us into the age to come? Who we are. 
You don't take your boats and you don't take your Xboxes. You take who you are. You take the kind of person that could bless rather than curse, forgive rather than be bitter. You take that with you. You take self-control. You take patience. I want to take all of that with me into the age that comes so that Jesus can perfect it all in that world where death is working backwards. And Paul says, I boast in nothing else but the cross because when this is stamped at the center of your life, it means you've said no to selfishness, no to the world being your end. I don't think God has any problems with wealth. I don't think God has any problems with a big house. I don't think God has a problem with boats or toys. What God has a problem with is when that becomes who you are. The reason we have to be careful of all the possessions we have is because they quickly can become entangled into the heart. They have a way of seeping in and poisoning every part of who you are. They are not dangerous in themselves. They just have the potential. Poverty can do the same thing. Sometimes it is poverty that drives greed more than riches. A hungry person can sometimes be more greedy for food than a rich person can. Greed comes in all kinds of forms. You see the point. The point is, do not see the world as the sin. Keep your eyes on the horizon. That's who you are. That is, if you follow Jesus. If you do not follow Jesus, you are a different kind of person. All right, second application. Second application is remember your destiny. Remember where you're going. Remember what the point of all of this is. And to do that, to remember your destiny, I give the same advice Paul gives to us. You become who you hang out with. So hang out with people that have a vision beyond this world. You get, hang out with good role models, people that are going to help you have a, have a hope rooted in the age to come. And that can be a lot of different people. For me, one of my role models, one of my dead mentors, he's dead but a mentor, is C.S. Lewis. I regularly hang out with C.S. Lewis because C.S. Lewis helps me to see beyond this world. He gives me a vision where I can catch the sun coming just over the horizon, and I say, I want to be part of that world, and I want to live now for that world. I want to read you a quote from Lewis from Mere Christianity. It's just one example of how Lewis is a great guy to hang out with, at least for me. He gives me a vision of what's coming, and he makes me want to live that kind of way now. Here's, here's this quote. Here's what Lewis says in Mere Christianity. He says, now the whole offer which Christianity makes is this, that we can, if we let God have his way, come to share in the life of Christ. If we do, we shall then be sharing a life which was begotten, not made, which always existed and always will exist. Christ is the Son of God. If we share in this kind of life, we also shall be sons of God. We shall love the Father as he does. And the Holy Ghost will arise in us. He came to this world and became a man in order to spread to other men the kind of life he has, what I call good infection. Every Christian is to become a little Christ. The whole purpose of becoming a Christian is simply nothing else.
Love the image of an infection. You can imagine in our day, the idea of an infection is pretty powerful. There, we're not wearing any masks in the age to come. What Christ brings, we want. When He breathes, we want to breathe in. And isn't that the way it works with anything in our world? If you want to be wet, you go get next to a shower head or a hose so that you can get wet. You know how you don't get wet, by the way? You don't stand under a shower drip by drip. You can stand under a shower for two hours with just a drip and probably not get all wet. you got to be immersed. That's how this works. And so we get close to Jesus. We catch His good infection. And the whole point is that we become little Christ. That's your destiny. There is a destiny of destruction. That's if your God is your stomach. Or you can become a little Christ. And that's what Paul urges them to become. It's what we would, what we would want to be urged on too. But you're going to have to probably get close to people that are going to urge you that way. You're probably not going to have the power to do it on your own. All right, here's the next step. It's going to roll right out of our application. And that is spend time with people who help you see beyond this world. Spend time with people who help you see beyond this world. If you do not hang out with people who see beyond this world, you will probably trend in whatever direction they're walking. You will become like the people you hang out with. So literally, who are you hanging out with? Who are you spending time with? That becomes very important. If we become, if we want to become the kind of people who see out to the horizon and then take on the kind of life where forgiveness and blessing and patience are the default, you better start hanging out with people who also carry that same kind of life. Let's use COVID as our example. Go get around people who have the Jesus infection. That's who you want to be around. And you want to get within, within six feet. You probably want to get closer than six feet. There's no social distancing if you want to become like Jesus. Get close with people who can see beyond this world. And you'll probably find that this world becomes even easier to live in. All right, let me pray for us. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the example of Paul. Thank you for all of the Christians that were in this church in Philippi who we never heard about, that were helping younger Christians come along in their walk with Jesus. Would you help us to catch this good infection and then also put people in our lives, maybe authors like a C.S. Lewis, maybe it's a friend, a family member, a co-worker we've never really paid attention to or someone that's been there all along. Would you please help us come close to them so that we can pick up those characteristics that help us to see beyond this world. Would you save us from a destiny of destruction? Have mercy on us and give us a vision for the age to come, that new creation where death is working backwards. We thank you for that and we are confident you can answer that prayer. Under the power and authority of Jesus, the firstborn from the dead, together we say,